Good morning, vendors and non-vendors alike, and welcome to the Republic City Dispatch, a radio program covering Nickelodeon's Legend of Korra series. This week, Zaheer is watching every motion in your foolish lover's game. In an endless sand ocean, Asami lovers know no shame. Turning and unturning to some secret place inside, Zaheer took all her breathing. The queen up and died. Take my breath away, Matt, Dave, Devendra, and Joanna. That's very nice. Gonna do that. That's just beautiful. <laughs> um, hello and welcome to another Republic City Dispatch. That was the greatest opening we've ever had. I, I salute you, nameless radio personality man. He works on those all week. Yeah. That's all he does all week. Poetry, poetry, the lost art. Um, gosh, now I'm totally, my head's just spinning. I just enjoyed that so much. Uh, what are we talking about today? We are talking about the second episode of Legend of Korra to be, uh, streamed directly over Nick.com. Long live the queen. Uh, we're three episodes out from the end. Is that right? I think so. Yes. And, uh, it, yeah. this definitely felt like, um, the, the quiet before the storm while still having a huge inciting incident. Um, we're, we're definitely descending into the, the final episodes here. You can tell from the storytelling. And um, I'm, I'm interested to hear what all of you thought, because this might be the first episode for me that I'm kind of like, eh, over. And I know a lot of you have strong feelings about it. Um, but before we get there, uh, oh, who are we with? I'm Matt Patches. I'm with Devendra Hardwar. Hello, hello. Joanna Robinson. Hello. And Dave with a seven. Gonzales. Good morning, everybody. <laughs> you have, you're full of energy. I love it. Uh, Dave, what the heck happened on this episode? Well, in the ironically titled Long Live the Queen, Mako and Bolin are taken by the Red Lotus to the Earth Queen, where they are offered in a trade of good faith for the Avatar in exchange for information about where all our Earth Kingdom airbenders are. Asami and Korra are loaded onto an air transport, headed to the Earth Kingdom, but Masami MacGyver's Korra out of captivity, and Korra forces the airship down in the middle of the desert, where the crew is stalked by a giant non-spirit sand shark. Uh, when the Red Lotus realizes Korra isn't coming back in Bossing Say, Zaheer suffocates the Earth Queen, and Gazan liberates the city by tearing down the interior walls. Asami and Korra manage to build a sand sailor and escape the desert back to the Misty Palms Oasis, where Tanrak, Zuko, and Lin tell her the news about Bossing Say's third historical fall. That one is just me speculating that we've seen Bossing Say fall three times, correct? We haven't seen it fall. <laughs> it, uh, okay, fall, so, it fell once off screen in the history of Avatar: The Last Airbender. Iroh Iro put it down. Uh, uh, Azula put it down, and now uh, Zaheer put it down. Bossing say really. Well, we easy didn't actually to. see Iroh put it down. No, but yeah. this is the third fall of Bossing Say. Historical like, yes. record. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's what happened. This oh. time. <laughs> okay. Um, before we get. Too far into our conversation, I want to say thank you to everyone who's been really supporting the show by uh, writing reviews on iTunes and subscribing there and also leaving comments, brilliant comments on our um our episode pages on Tumblr, on RepublicCityDispatch.com, and also reblogging the episodes and writing some very thoughtful, uh, critical analysis. Um, it's all been just wonderful. Uh, so this week I'm recommending for people, since it was such a dark week of Cora, of um, go tell a friend, hug your friend, hug your Cora loving friend, and tell them to listen to Republic City Dispatch. Uh, it's yeah, let's extend an arm and and uh, feed this to more people because we we needed the conversation to grow. This is huge. This was yeah, a monumental. Yeah. Maybe 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 just put your hand on the shoulder and say 
don't you love Cora? Because I don't want anybody near the air in my lungs this week. <laughs> no, <laughs> I know. Is, that is fine alone. Restrain their arms. <laughs> like, don't let them bend. Um, so, guys, I, I kind of had a weird reaction to this episode because I thought it was uh, spinning its wheels a bit in a way that I haven't seen any other episode from book three, which has been incredible so far um oh really i I kind of had a weird reaction but um you guys i know i talked to joanna you loved this episode you were like this is brilliant and i was like okay tell me why (laughs) (laughs) matt's like that's nice i demanded Uh, a lot well no i just thought that it yeah it's three episodes from the end so we're not going to get our final showdown yet but i didn't feel like it was quite spinning his wheels or if it was what a magnificent way to do so with a sand shark the Berlin Wall episode and murdering a character on screen <laughs> on, <laughs> on a kids show, show. Yeah. and not like off camera, like right on camera. We see I mean, her last they breaths. Of, they cut away right before you know you don't see like her lifeless corpse <laughs> right, or whatever. Right. And he's like, um, you know, Zahir is like, without air, there is no life. There's only darkness is what he says not death because you're dead right now so i think there's like plausible deniability but we all know that the earth queen is super dead and she died in front of a bunch of kids this week so um i think there is speculation that she might not be dead i I'm, i might be making this up maybe. but i saw someone be like but she could just come back to life no i think she's dead she's i mean she could sure. you know she could but I she's actually it. a zombie <gasps> zombie earth let's, queen let's do a game of thrones type thing here but yes. you know <laughs> someone, uh, someone brought up that uh also uh, where everybody where team avatar is sort of uh gathering right now somewhere in that misty palms oasis is the rotting body of iway <laughs> just you know while we're thinking about dark things this series is implying yeah. but not showing us yeah. he's still sitting there meditating yeah, forever. Yeah, I don't know forever. what happens to your physical body if you're thrown into the fog of... Just wastes away. Whatever. It's got to rot away. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Oh, my God. Anyway. That's really dark. But now I'm yeah. starting to think about zombies. Could you bloodbend a dead corpse? Oh, We're gonna see, I would love to see that at some Like point. Weekend at Bernie's with the Earth Queen. <laughs> weekend at Iway's. <laughs> yes. Oh, my gosh. The puppet the master. Yeah, yeah. I, it has to be with Iway because he's already at a vacation resort. Yeah, he's super Bernie-esque. I can't wait to see him do the conga. Um, no, the the thing I liked so much, and this goes back to you know my never-ending girl power campaign, is Asami was so useful in this episode. And mm-hmm. that's something that we've been wanting to see from her. And she was just useful start to finish, and I really loved that they gave her that opportunity. So if it was a wheel-spinning episode, which it kind of was um, – you know, at least they gave this character something great to do, uh, and I really liked it. So, mm-hmm. mm. well, what if we assumed that it, Patches read this wrong, and the Sand Shark is somehow important? Here's here's my argument. What? Because uh- <laughs> they make a big deal out of like, is that a spirit? It's not a spirit. Nobody's like really seen anything that giant before, and it like otherwise we just could have kept Cora at the Misty Palms somehow. It's like it seems weird that she ends the episode where she ended last week's episode. So it's like if you're going to have a diversion, even when those diversions seem not important, like uh, the Mako detective storyline from last season, they at least fold into something like, like, you know, maybe that sand shark is important somehow. Maybe. Uh, Yeah. I think this is more of an homage to Flight of the Phoenix than it is (laughs) 
Uh, what's, of, uh, no, maybe he knows where the spice is. Maybe the worms know where the spice <laughs> is. Totally knows where the spice is. I know. Let's... I went to Beetlejuice, but Dune is better. Oh, um, I love in terms of in terms of sand creatures. <laughs> I mean, I don't even know if we need the worm itself to be important. It's more about what you know. What did it mean for these characters, right? What did it lead to? And it led to you know Cora working together with her captors and them coming to some sort of understanding. I think the weakest element of this episode is that uh, the the head of the guys who captured her is like, oh no, we're never gonna, we're not gonna work with you. You're, yeah, our orders is to take care, you know, take you captured. And uh, by the end, he's like, oh yeah, we'll totally work with you now. I totally Shake my hook. Yeah, Yeah, there's a hook for a hand. Exactly. (laughs) It's pretty cool. I think that goes to show like the, I don't know, how in this show and in this universe, nobody is ever evil i guess or too evil like uh there's good and bad to everybody these people are just following their mm. orders and i love that little scene uh with mako and bolin uh in the car while they're captured and bolin is like just chatting up you know the uh the white lotus to the red lotus folks and mako's like stop making friends with the enemies guys or stop making yeah. friends with the bad guys that's so bolin but that's also so how this show works you know that's something that goes back to ang like he never wanted to really make enemies and i think even in that show we saw a lot of uh, uh conflict become friends at some point i loved that scene i mm-hmm. love talking to gazan and minghua about like being locked up yeah yeah um i thought that was a very poignant moment when they're kind I of agree. lamenting the fact that they've been in prison for 30 years? No, wait. How? how 15, 30, 13 years? Yeah, Don't say okay. Obama patches. Uh, I'm not <laughs> saying... I'm not saying Obama. Uh, um, I, but we should... I mean, when you start talking about people getting locked up, you're talking about modern imprisonment and, you know, the ramifications of war. Imprisonment. I imprisonment. I wouldn't, want to, I wouldn't want to be so specific politically in this right, conversation, right. but I do think that Legend of Korra, uh, Brian and Mike have made a really important move to kind of reflect contemporary society in this every in the show's every move and if you start talking about throwing people in prison you start talking talking about about a serious issue that's happening in america uh, about uh you know i think of um chelsea manning Mm -hmm. (laughs) and and watching someone get thrown in prison for some maybe something that's technically bad but no one is really giving her the time of day and she's Somebody has to do something about our country's long history of uh, imprisoning supervillains. Yeah, yeah, that's a good yeah. point. Yeah, that I'm very good at it. <laughs> it's totally a problem. Um, the Joker do, really yeah. does he really need to be locked up? Still, guys, come on. Do we need an Arkham Asylum? Um, <laughs> that's that's the, probably been a Batman comic book. I, yeah, I and Obama Obama is running on closing Arkham. Never panned out. That's going to be the biggest black mark. I just want you to know that I have, I have not said Obama here. You keep saying <laughs> Obama. Um, the fl- yeah. to go back to your flight of the Phoenix thing. I mean, I you know you and I talked about that earlier in the week. I agree with you that it's an it can't help but be an homage to Flight of the can, Phoenix. Can you talk but it's about also Flight of the Phoenix, and because you, you this movie holds a special place in your heart, or at least. Maybe. I, it oh, the original is one of my dad's favorites. And so then we I watched... I don't know if everyone's familiar with the film. Uh, okay. <laughs> I'm putting you on the a, spot. Yeah, no, a, a, a plane crashes in the desert and the crew work together to reassemble sort of a new plane out of the wreckage and try to get it uh, to go up. But there's like mysterious shadowy people and infighting and in, in the new terrible version – with Dennis Quaid and Giovanni Ribisi, they're like being picked off by sand people or whatever. Um, 
I don't know. It's it's sort of like a classic like uh, bottle episode of a movie in terms mm. you have all these personalities trying to – and they didn't really do that because they didn't – it wasn't a whole episode of them trying to get that ship together. But just when you have an aircraft crashed in the desert and a team of people are trying to create a new smaller aircraft or, or whatever out of what mm-hmm. they have, that's Flight of the Phoenix. I mean that's yeah. what that is paying homage to. There's a Doctor Who episode that's also sort of hmm. an homage to that. But um, the – the thing that I liked about it is we had been talking about Asami and her, her technology bending. And that's, that's what I would say this is. She tech bended mm-hmm. them out of that desert. And I really, you know, I thought that was great. And also, yeah, th- my least favorite core moment in this episode is when she, you know, air bends the, the, the crew into the controls. And Asami's like, good job, Cora. You <laughs> See, broke everything. I, I like and that Cora, moment because yeah, Asami like, gets to kind of wag her finger and be like, yeah. You're, this is and wrong. And Cora's like, it's not my fault. And everyone's like, no, it's entirely your fault, Cora. You don't need to like throw them into the controls. <laughs> We're crashing uh, now. Thanks yeah. yeah. <laughs> Thanks, Cora. So, yeah. And so then what you said where Cora learns to work with her captors rather than against them. So. Mm-hmm. I, I, I mean, I, there's so many great character moments. I, like, I felt this episode was moving things forward in a way that the stakeout really didn't, even though I know there was a lot more exposition there and there was, uh, you know, some big things happening. I felt that episode actually spun its wheels a little more because it spent so much time with the uh, pie show metaphor. And um, like, I felt like, oh, I totally get what you're saying there. You could have done that in one line and let's not you know, draw this out for several scenes. Whereas this episode, there's some great stuff between the characters. Things are moving forward in a really interesting way. And I think one of the most shocking deaths in this series, like there's there's always something happening in this episode. I had a lot of fun with it, too. Just thinking about the ramifications of everything they're showing us, right? The death of the Earth Queen, the destruction of the wall. Um, Korra working together and whatever the heck is going on with the sandworm. I also found it interesting that, you know, there's stuff in this world that even they don't know about yet. Like, right. there's still so much left that's unexplored. Um, I, I Maybe I yeah. wanted more of mm-hmm. the desert stuff. Maybe I wanted right. the whole episode, too, so that each one of those scenes, at a certain point, like, going back and them building out the the airship trying to get that working again I, uh-huh. I just thought that was a little slow and like okay we're still waiting for the sandworm to come or like we're still <laughs> waiting for this and then they just scrap that whole plan and go with a, a sand sailor well, the um, you know, plans fail and you, you have to make you change it's up true. things I guess the I wanted weakest... that whole I wanted uh-huh. that whole part because going back to like Zaheer at the Earth Kingdom is actually not that interesting uh, what happens in the, in the end moments is but I don't yeah. I'm, I'm fascinated by Zaheer, what Zaheer intended to do when he showed up to Ba Sing Se because um, his plan was thrown off when he caught wind that Korra's mm-hmm. ship went down. So that's when he decided to just storm in and suck well, we, the air out of the Earth Kingdom. What was he going to do before? He like, probably was, would have destroyed the walls uh, anyway. Yeah? Yeah. We still don't, I mean, we still don't know what his plan is for Korra. And that was a good question that was raised. I think it was... Mm-hmm. Mako, uh, who was like, why didn't you just kill her when you had her? What are you going to do with her? And then they don't answer that. So that is the question. Like, what do they want to do with the Avatar? Is it like a big public execution that they want in order to shock everyone or, um, you know, win them, win her to their side? Or, or mm-hmm. what is the what is the end game with Korra for them? Yeah. yeah. The moral but- conflict with these villains is really interesting, too, right? Because they, they specifically didn't want to hurt the guy, right, who was behind the microphone. They, right. Yeah, their job was to take down the rulers, not the people that they represent, not the public. So I think. But then they created yeah. this yeah. environment, this riotous environment where mm-hmm. a bunch of people are going to get hurt in the Earth Kingdom because mm-hmm. they're 
idea, you know, is that's the natural order of things. Yeah, yeah, it's good, but, but their execution yes. is dangerous to people. So. Totally. Weakest yeah. element of this episode, by the way, yet another wasted Zuko introduction. <laughs> like, Cora just walks up and is like, hey, I remember you from when I was a kid. Like, th- this moment should mean something, guys. Not Zuko just saying, hey, what's up? Like, really? Just because yeah. he's been in the series before? He no, it's sort of I, like he's, Indiana Jones picks his hat up off the ground. He's moment. an important a character. Dragon? He's an, he's totally important character. I love the, is there a, yeah, is that a dragon outside this <laughs> yeah. bar? I just wish they're not doing anything really because we've waited so long to see Zuko in this universe. It's like, it feels like wasted opportunities to me as well because he's still an important character. He's not like just some side character. But it makes well, it more casual, uh, right? Because their uh, whole thing has not been introducing characters in a way that's like, hey, get ready for this cameo. Hey, Avatar you fans. this character when he was a kid. Yeah, now he's a him. <laughs> well, here's the, the problem with the, how they're treating Zuko is that his daughter is the one world leader that we should have seen by now. Oh, considering yeah, uh, the whole plan of the uh, Red Lotus seems to be, well, plan B, because like they were, they were going to kidnap President Raiko and then Zaheer was like, oh, maybe we should focus on the Avatar first. So it seems like whenever their avatar goals fall short, they're also going to like take down a world leader, which is a great way of going about things. Yeah. But it's like, shouldn't we haven't we haven't seen the Fire Nation uh, leader yet, which is supposed to be Zuko's granddaughter or daughter. I forget which one exactly. But like everybody else we've seen, we've seen Tanrock, we've seen the twins, we've seen the Earth, we've seen President Raiko and Tenzin obviously would be the air nomad one. So it just feels absent that one of the things under threat is in Zuko's family. Right. He's still just like sitting around in in the oasis waiting for somebody to tell him what to do. He has a dragon. You shouldn't. (laughs) No one should tell him what to do. That's his defining characteristic in the Legend of Korra. He has a big dragon, and that's it. I'm I'm hoping we get some big uh, dragon action. Dragon versus sand shark. Go. Oh man. Mega sand shark versus giant. Yeah, this is an asylum movie now. (laughs) Yeah, well, I mean, I'm hoping that like we're gonna see a resurgence of characters we like. Uh, to you know, defend Bossing, say I think resurgence uh, of characters Bo- we like. What do you mean? Well, I think Bolin attempting and failing again to metal bend here uh, mm-hmm. means that you know I think that he needs to succeed in the eyes. Well, the yeah. eyes of Toph is sort of a misnomer because she's blind, but I think Toph needs, I think Toph needs to Toph needs to be there. I think the way that he talked, the t- or yeah, definitely. I think the way he talked about. Mm-hmm. Toph being so important to him earlier in the season is foreshadowing some sort of return. And I think that she needs to come back and put her Lin, uh, Su Yin house in order as well. And why not do it in this huge uh, retaking of... Well, I don't know if retaking is going to work out. Right. Yeah. So where where does this end in your mind? Like in, in crazy fandom speculation here. Mm. Like how, <laughs> how does this... And we're, we're allowed to do a little about yeah. of that. Yeah. That's, that's appropriate. So someone in our comments, uh, Chibi Halo, uh, was like getting really worried. Um, this person wrote, uh, Surely Zaheer would have known that doing what he did in a city as massive as Ba Sing Se would have caused riots and looting. This strict caste system still in place in the capital of the Earth Kingdom seven 70 years after the end of the war, which is a good point, may not have been political and humane thing to continue to do, but uh, it kept order within the city. Take that away, 
all hell breaks loose. Mm-hmm. And we already kind of see that. You know, Gazan melts the, the wall, and everyone's, everyone cheers. Um, but what, what happens next? Uh, I don't know really how this ends right. in, a, in a morally sound way, because, okay, we, we think Korra will just swoop in, kick Zaheer in the butt, and then... Um, you know, find a new queen or a king or something, and what what do you do? Do you set it back up, or do you really lay waste and like let everyone be free? Yeah, I mean the the good thing about this is that maybe you know, even though it, tearing down the wall and killing the king led to all this rioting and everything, maybe it could mean a new form of government or something could exist in Basingse because this is a place we've seen where the rulership, you know, probably isn't the strongest. And I like your idea, Dave, because Basingse would be really important to Toph, like the existence of it, the safety of it. Uh, this would be a good opportunity for her to swoop in, try to help you know manage things. She's not a great ruler either. But I think the big question of this entire season is like you know, we've seen Korra grow up into her powers, uh, manage her spiritual side. Now it's all about how do you rule? How do you well not rule? How do you lead? And yeah. this entire season is all about like yeah, you know, what makes hmm. a good leader? And we're seeing philosophical uh, that it's the philosophical differences between you know our heroes and our villains. It's really driving the season forward so someone made a really interesting point um another commenter guest zero so in long live the queens i hear what takes the radio and he says i think you've had enough of leaders telling you what to do it's time for you to find your own path um and cora and tenzin actually say something very similar when they're freeing the airbenders in bossing say in episode Mm -hmm. four uh cora says these airbenders shouldn't be used as weapons they have the right to choose their own paths so, like, Korra and Zaheer are basically on the same page, mm-hmm. uh, which... It's just the methods that are... Gonna yeah, it's just Korra's is less, is less murdery. A little, <laughs> little less so, murdery. Hopefully. She, she's, yeah. she's still a rough... She I, plays rough. <laughs> to, to go back to um, what Dave said about Bolin's metal-bending moment, which I'm getting a little tired of, it just seems a little heavy-handed. Like, if he does have a triumphant bending metal-bending moment now, it's just a little, like, Right, okay. this is Chekhov's machine gun yeah. on the table. But I did like at least that, like when when Mako's giving him his Goonie speech, like this is your time. He's like, "You said it was my time before. Like, this, <laughs> how many times is it my time?" He's like, "No, no, really, this time is your time." So what's been what's been really nice about uh, Avatar the, or uh, Korra over at the Last Airbender is like out the first in the first and second or the first and third books of Korra. The second book was weird for a lot of reasons. No one really despairs. Which I really enjoy, and it kind of mm-hmm. keeps it in the realm of like a kids show, where it's like even when things are really bad, and you know Mako's trying to like just saw through the bars at this point because like you know all anarchy's broken loose and they need to get out of this jail. He's still trying to convince Bolin that Bolin has it like inside of him, and Bolin isn't like like no, I'm the worst. He's like, well, I don't know what time I'm supposed to be. What time's my time? And it's like they find some way to deal with it that isn't coming out of a place of despair. And I feel like because Avatar The Last Airbender was dealing with this really long war where the Fire Lord was basically like kill everybody occasionally, especially in book three of that series, they would like slip very slowly into despair. Um, And so it's been nice to see Korra not do that. I think maybe also because their villains are a bit more complex, but at least when all the characters are very frequently being captured uh none of them get all sad which would wear on me really badly is there any way that this emasculating failure for bolin actually (laughs) ends with failure 
Like I would like that better. He... I think that'd be more interesting if he never metal bends. Someone yeah. brought up that he could accidentally lava bend, and that might mm-hmm. be okay in terms of like him learning something new and feeling oh. special. But yeah, that would be Actually, much cooler. I think it would be something new, right? Like it would the the ideal hero moment for Bolin would be discovering something that even Toph hasn't done. Maybe it's something, yeah, something beyond lava and metal. Yeah. What else would it be, oh Earthwise? Magnetism bending. <laughs> Magnet, magnet bending. <laughs> yeah. Uh, people people are throwing their um, their hat into the ring for, for Bolin as president of Ba Sing Se. <laughs> well, so, I've, I've seen people in the comments. We've had, we have a great commenter named Ross Brown who keeps writing about the mandate of heaven and the history of that concept mm-hmm. in China, where anyone can be king. Uh, you should read his comments because I, I can't even I'm, reinterpret them. They're, they're very wise. Is that, um, I don't know if that's the ultimate lesson of all of, yeah. Well, well no, like, so yeah. do you continue mandate of heaven? Do you continue right. having a ruler like that? I mean, mandate of heaven is a positive thing because anyone can be leader. It's not a bloodline thing. You're not kind of locked into one mm. line, uh, line. X, yeah. So you could have have someone like Bolin become the ruler of Ba Sing Se, or you could right. have someone like Su Yin become the ruler of Ba Sing Se. We, we should t- talk about our Su Yin conspiracy here in a second. <laughs> but um, may, maybe we're maybe we're really looking for a president. Maybe we're looking for democracy. But who I, likes I think democracy? democracy? That is the thing, though. That so is here is the... not about democracy either. Oh. Can I th- can I throw another? Go ahead. Uh, I, I think uh, uh, Varric uh, should would be my nomination for a crazy what? new king. <laughs> you're you're like that's a positive thing is that an objective uh prediction or you're you would actually vote for Varric? i would actually vote for Varric because at least he understands it's a military industrial complex and isn't pretending it's something else like it seems like Varric is very much a straight shooter and when he lies he's good at it but always for a very clean reason i don't like even live in your america dave I mean, uh, you're living in my America already. You just don't even know it. That's no, the I problem. do know it. <laughs> but I yeah, want Bolin. No, Bolin can be king of the entire world. That's what I, I Bolin for everything talk. always. He's like the Ronald Reagan. <laughs> he was a mover star. Yes. Or Arnold Schwarzenegger. He's going to come in. Movie star uh, power. That's the next series. Yeah. Charm the charm the people. Well, didn't you, someone earlier in the episode said that's so Bolin, and I want that to be the spinoff. <laughs> <laughs> I just want that on a T-shirt. That's so Bolin. That's so Bolin. Stop trying to make friends with the enemies. <laughs> um, so I, Joanna, you we were trying to figure out is is the wall falling really a Berlin Wall thing? Like Berlin Wall was not a revolutionary act like Zahir, right? I, well, that's I mean, what I wanted to clarify. I'm, I'm, but in terms of like walls falling, yeah, <laughs> that's the, that's the wall that everyone, or like the wall of Jericho, I guess, is the other what wall. Do walls like... represent guys. <laughs> yeah, such good but, Yeah, I mean, maybe because am I? I think I'm the oldest person on this podcast. Anyway, I don't know. Just like it, uh, it. Yeah, Berlin Wall, man. What other wall could it be? Well, there are many. Like, I mean, it's the most direct, uh, you know, comparison, I guess. But right. it's more like, what? Do, what does this idea mean? What does the idea of a wall mean to a city? In uh, in Basing Say, it's all about the class structure and the class separation. And I think uh, you could even point to a lot of cities today that still have that. Um, the way you know certain sections of inner cities are cordoned off. Uh, the way Rio de Janeiro has the favelas completely separated from the really like rich glitzy part mm. of the country or part of the city like this the wall itself is the idea of just like you know i want you here and not you like it's right. it's a way to separate the types of people and 
who you mingle with. So I think the idea of the wall itself falling means a lot philosophically, which is uh, that's kind of what the show has always been going for. Right. And, of, and yeah. And of course, the Berlin Wall it was a much different circumstance and much mm-hmm. more complicated than this. But it, it's still true that Eastern Berlin was like broken and impoverished and Western yeah. Berlin was more affluent. So taking down that wall and letting the two sides commingle is... You know, that's that's why it sort of evoked that to me. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I also don't want to spoil any young adult fiction for people <laughs> that's coming up. But I would be surprised if they're splitting Mockingjay into two movies if we don't see some imagery like this with the districts just to sort of pad out what that war is going to end up being. So, did sure. They, did they break down walls? Well, I mean, it's the, di- it's the exact same ones. thing. Emotional ones. It's the exact same thing where it's like rings that they keep the classes separated mm-hmm. in and they're going to start getting pissed. And, uh, you know, at the... The uh, the movie series has been adding so much more imagery of what actually happens in the district in the capital that I would be surprised if Mockingjay doesn't take some time out of depressed Katniss to show us some wall taken down. <laughs> so lava sure. bend a wall. Sure yeah, that. That, um, and that that was very oh god the word I the only word I can think of is flashy and that sounds so elderly of me to say but like the <laughs> the lava taking down the wall was so cool looking. No, it was yeah. it, like they, we spent. To what a multi-episode arc trying to get through the outer wall in the original right. series, so right. it was really interesting. Just be like, oh, and also the power to bend. You could just it, someone just could have brought it down. Yeah, it it just shows like I actually I've I think since the original series we've wanted to see that wall taken down, and mm. here we have the bad guys doing it, doing this thing that we've kind of wanted our heroes to do for a while. And I love how it puts us in a place where like you know who should we really root for? Yeah. It's funny that this episode um you know, gives us such a great uh personal moment with the uh with the rest of the red lotus uh in the car but it is also the episode where zahir kills the queen like it's it so, is that's so <laughs> tricky on on, yeah. on the the senses right like we we want to by the end by that big moment at the end we're kind of like we're cool with zahir yeah in a way yeah. and especially so. because when we go down and we see Mako and Bolin in prison, and again, with this kind of prison imagery and, and the abuse of it, talking to this guy, and then they play it as a joke, <laughs> which I think is a very sharp move. When sure. this guy's like, I've been, in, I've been in jail for, I don't know how many years, like four, four, years. four years. The first couple months, it was great because I got some sleep. I know. Which, now I miss hilarious. my wife and children. But also, yeah, <laughs> you guys bring any toilet anyone. paper. Hasn't seen anyone for four years, uh, and like, what is this? This guy's crime is nothing, uh, and so the Earth Queen is a total abuser of power. We know that, mm-hmm. but like now we see it, and it's just have, it has the most devastating. She effects. ate the bear. She ate the bear. No, that was the it. Was like one world. of the one of the only species that it was the same between our world and their world, and she <laughs> ate it. <laughs> so even when we see Zahir kill the Earth Queen, are we? We're kind of like that's not the worst move. Yeah. I, I think a lot of people watching the show would would have wanted something like that to happen. I didn't think and, they'd kill her. I really yeah. just didn't think that that was possible. Yeah. I mean, they broadcasted it with the, you know, eating pets and the over... Uh, are we allowed <laughs> to say... children. Do we still say orientalizing is a bad thing? Because that's... Oh, uh, yeah. Yeah. It's <laughs> always a bad thing. Yeah, the way they uh, the way they designed her character was, like, slightly tipping in that bad Mandarin mm-hmm. direction. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's she was she was built to be the killable one, and it was mm-hmm. beautifully animated with the way they used uh, her eye makeup and her wrinkles from aging to show the constriction of her face. Hmm. Just like it, it almost feels like that character was designed for that moment. 
probably true. <laughs> and I love it. Well, Let especially me... with like her hand in the air at the end, and she has oh. the long things on her fingers, and uh, huh? is it elegantly done? A good yeah. kill. The thing that, the thing that I loved. Uh, that they did is in that early scene when the when the Red Lotus is in the throne room, shall we say, and talking to the Earth Queen, and they pull out. I mean, it's weird to use camera language, but like it's, it's a not. wide shot. It's a wide shot of the throne room, right? You see how massive it is, and I was I was struck by that. I was like, this is an interesting way to frame this conversation is to make them look so small, show how huge the throne room is. But then later, Zahir is like hopping among the rafters, and so you needed to get that visualization of the space so that later when he did that, it sort of you were oriented already. Um, I liked that. I don't know if that was intentional, but anyway. Yeah, and the Dai Li, man, they they got their butts kicked really easily this episode. I was not ready for that, <laughs> right? I mean, okay, yeah. so I, I keep thinking about the Dai Li and their, like, little rock hands, and when Gazan just sort of, like, punched them away, I was like, oh, I was unaware it was that easy to beat the Dai Li. <laughs> it seems like for several years in my mind, the Dai Li have been the elite fighting force of wherever. But like even the the metal benders of uh, Zaufu, but like fought the Red Lotus better than the Dai Li. What what happened, guys? I, I guess I guess if you're a powerful earthbender, there's not really much you can do by throwing rocks at someone. It's kind of like the <laughs> Bolin problem, right? You're throwing yeah. ammo at them. Yeah, it's pretty hopeless. Yeah. Um, and now the Earth Queen's dead. So <laughs> where do we even go? I, I'm trying to figure out what's going to happen here. Uh, I think. Okay, so what happened is the Red Lotus said, we're tired of chasing Korra. Now it's time to make her come to us. So I think they're going to the Air Temple. Um, you know, and they sent Mako and Bolin off with a message for Korra. We haven't seen Tenzin in, like, three episodes. So I think they're going to go and threaten, like, you know, those near and dear at the Air Temple. And Pearl's there, so that's convenient. And it'll be a showdown maybe there. Wow, you don't mm-hmm. even think Ba Sing Se will be addressed here? Korra doesn't have to swoop in and, like, solve this problem right away? I guess she can't. Yeah. If Mako Bolin show up and say Tenz is in danger, that's going to be her priority, right? Or maybe yeah. not. It I don't seems know. like oh, the, the Avatar position is, like, you're in charge of taking care of the threat. I think it would be weird if Korra was like, and here's your king now. I have to go. <laughs> <laughs> like, That's so, never failed in history. Yeah. Yeah. I would, I would say let the, let the, the nation building stuff maybe uh, into book four so we could spend the proper amount of time with it. And yeah, just chase down the Red Lotus. We've got to figure it out. Bring in like Sui Yin as the John Kerry type to kind of like <laughs> try and keep peace in this. Company. Maybe it's, yeah. maybe that's what Lynn will do. Like maybe Lynn and, and, like, like, oh yeah, you think they'll go to Bossing Say? It would be sad not to see them join in on whatever big battle we have with the Red Lotus at the end. I feel Mm -hmm. like you bring all those guys back so we have a huge set piece. I have to say, Tonrock looked uh, right at home in where he lives, but in the desert oasis, I was like, that's a lot of jewelry, Tonrock. I would tone it down. (laughs) Well, they went out. They went to the bar, so they wanted to look good. They're just chilling, chilling with Zuko. Yeah. Zuko's like, "What's up?" You know. You guys get some good rooms. Yeah. There's this rotting body in mine. It's really gross. <laughs> so oh man. I, I mean, I, I'm looking forward to some sort of big end battle as well. But you know what? I would love to see a 
just like a, an elaborate Zaheer and Tenzin throwdown. Because if you think about like what these guys represent philosophically, like what they're what they actually mean to Korra and to this whole universe, like that that is the main conflict, right? Mm. And our Tenzin death prediction or something like it would come in. Honestly, I just I, I got out of watching a Ninja, Ninja Scroll again uh, for the first time in a long time, and I'm just imagining like this crazy sort of finale battle like in ninja scroll with the ship on fire and everything Whoa. um yeah i want you to cool. direct the last episode of i would have so much fun <laughs> like uh, the, the the reason i love these shows and the reason i love animation in general is like i'm a big action fan i'm a fan of set pieces in animation you can do anything you know it's not you don't have the same limitations as real world movies so that's anyway all hope, of our hope live action cool. movies are cg now yeah that's true that's why the ninja turtles is well I Everything's ta- animated. I want to talk about how elegant it was the way that breathbending came up, where it's like everybody mm-hmm. sort of had the idea that it was possible, and then we finally saw it, and it was like perfect. I hate to bring up Star Wars again, but <laughs> like the idea don't that lie. you don't hate to bring. Up I love Star Wars. to bring up we Star Wars again. <laughs> Let's bring up Star Wars again. Slash video games and talk about why it's so perfect. Where it's like when you have a system of building combat that makes sense in some sort of chaining or leveling up sort of way, then you don't run into these weird problems like you do in the prequel trilogy of Star Wars, where all of a sudden the Force is doing things to the extent that you never thought it was possible for the Force to you know do things. Like the capability in the first original trilogy to like levitate something it's like basically something only Darth Vader can do because he's the most powerful dark side person you know whatever and then you know we go to the prequel trilogy and Jedi are floating themselves slash objects and it's like floating things the easiest thing to possibly do it's like no everything needs to be a build you need to be Zaheer that was locked away and had nothing to do but meditate on air forms for years and years and years to come out and show that it's a process of learning slash respecting the process. I don't know. It's just so much better than how Star Wars uses the Force. I was so mm-hmm. happy. Um, something that seems to be plaguing a lot of people that I really haven't thought about too much this season has been why can these people suddenly airbend and will we get an explanation about it? Do you think that we will? I, I feel like we're kind of oh, past yeah. that. <laughs> That's the best explanation for the Red Lotus being right is that the world actually is trying to reach towards a balance without any help from the avatar or spirits or people it's doing it on its own so for me it's like i don't need an explanation huh. it just makes sense that there needs to be four nations of- that it's some sort of like gaia entity and the spirit mm-hmm. world and the physical world are yin yang and and complete order means having airbenders in the world and now that the I- spirit gate is open I mean, basically, we're with the separation of the nations, it's just like the separation of all the humans living on different lion turtles and being unaware of each other. It's like that seems to be the state that humanity in this world wants to go in. And the Red Lotus is saying, no, we all need to be intermingling and have a much smaller, like, personal community-run government, maybe. I don't know what sort of justice they support, but, I mean, at least killing the Earth Queen, that seemed... It's regicide is always okay with me and 
animated universes. <laughs> My word. Uh, I mean, and honestly, the I think there's a like a just a sort of natural or organic explanation for 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 seeing more Airbenders is that we have all these other bending types all throughout the world, and Airbenders have always been rare. They've always been kind of the endangered species. So yeah, the natural order of things is now that the spirit gates are open. Uh, you know, Airbenders can actually balance out. We can have more of them to balance out with the rest. And I think that just kind of makes a certain amount of sense. I don't know if I need more of an explanation. Yeah, someone in the comments mentioned that uh, the plan they might have for Korra is to basically pull Vatu out of her um, mm. to restore, to basically reestablish the other entity um, to pull create balance. Rava out of her? No, pull Vatu out of Rava because they're inside each other. They regrow mm. inside each mm-hmm. other, like we saw her pull Rava out of Vatu or Unavatu at the end of last season. So basically, to re-separate now the portals are open to try to find a way to get that yin yang spirit battling outside of people again so there this commenter recommended like a temple of doom molaram like chest kalima like that yeah 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 and from like zaheer is gonna like pull (laughs) rava pull rava and batu out of cora keep keep saying that um Cover your I, heart. I would, I would want to see that. I, now I'm thinking, like, why? Why hasn't anyone turned into the moon lately? On- I know, right? Yeah, <laughs> like that crazy. It's been a long time. <laughs> We're like, why well, can't she turn back from the moon into someone helpful? Can we totally have like a can. conversation a, there? Yeah, that's Asami's. That's Asami's. Uh, oh wait, no, is that Asami's voice? No, that's the movie she played in the movie. Yes. Yeah, you're getting in the confused. movie. Yeah, yeah, I'm getting all confused. But yeah, no, she should totally come back. Everyone's like, who are you? And they accept the audience. Who would be yeah. like, ah. Yeah, this was a universe where somebody could say, my girlfriend's the moon now, you know? Yeah. <laughs> and, yeah. Sorry, that's that's real tough. <laughs> uh, um, t- to wrap up here, uh, we have been on Tenzin Death Watch this season, and that's still possible if this prediction of them all meeting at the Air Temple and having a huge throwdown. Uh, but some are, one of our, our listeners, Miss M, thinks Asami is on Death Watch. Oh. I, I mean, I thought I I, that would break Joanna's heart. I'm like, why? I wouldn't be surprised, but yeah, I, I hope not. That's true. I mean, that is so typical to make a useless, not she wasn't useless before, but, you know, background character very useful right before they kill them. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> uh, oh, come on. That's not, she's not useless, right? No, she hasn't been useless, but this was her yo- most useful yeah. episode, I, right? Killing her would not have a purpose to me. No, it I would, don't want it. It would have to, to be like an accident. Mm-hmm. Team, I don't team really Tenzin see dies. that being a motivated death. Tenzin dying is a motivated death in my yeah. mind. And and I, playing into what Zaheer is ultimately about. What I love about the show is that we can legitimately argue Death Watch for all the major characters, right? Because yeah. it would all mean something, right? Mako dying would mean so much. But isn't at, that us bringing our television watching to the table and not... Oh, sure. It's like it's like Boyhood, right? It's like, uh, I, I don't know if you guys had that experience watching Boyhood. But I had there this are certain, exact experience. Yeah, there's certain I, sequences where characters start doing things. You're like, oh, my God, something terrible is going to happen here. And except it doesn't because in the, you know, in most people's lives, terrible <laughs> things don't actually happen. So we have these right. expectations, but it's not like the show has not given us, you know, sort of shocking revelations like that. And I think it's it's the Joss Whedon theory. Maybe I've just watched too many Joss Whedon shows, but, you know, killing someone that you love it can mean something if you don't overdo it for can, sure yeah can we take a moment to tell people to see boyhood is that go possible? see boyhood everybody richard link although i don't know if younger folks will really 
get the significance of that movie, but it is uh, it is something. Oh, I think everyone. I mean, if you're growing up in that moment, to everyone self reflexive. If there's it's a, a conversation, <laughs> yeah. If there's a conversation in your family about whether to see TMNT or Boyhood, yes. just skip Boyhood and t- try it again next year. What? Oh I'm my. saying, uh, look, look. This <laughs> isn't one of those things. This isn't one of those movies where it's like go see Boyhood. Regardless, I want people to have the experience that it's intended, and I don't think it's. We're yeah. on a we're on a Legend of Korra podcast right now. <laughs> sorry, sorry. This I'm is just a different saying. Argument. I, yeah. But yeah. I, I did want to say that I had the exact same experience, Devendra. Where if <laughs> and not just in Boyhood, but this happens in Boyhood, where if anyone is driving a car anymore, yeah, yeah, yeah. and you get a side oh, shot of them, yeah. where like the characters, the the driver is talking to someone off screen, and you could see out their window. I'm like, yeah. this person is about to be hit by a car. Let's no throw around what. some saw blades, guys. It's horrible. I hate that feeling. <laughs> uh, but yeah, Tenzin, you're dead. Uh, yeah. It's over. Boyhood. And then Suyin will swoop in and be like, ah, I got you all. <laughs> I never liked you, I, well, Tenzin, for breaking up with my also sister. Our, our expectation, right, that Suyin is this sort of like evil mastermind yeah, also projecting. speaks to, you know, the things we've learned to expect from our pop culture or whatever. Yeah. I don't I don't think that would be as narratively interesting as if if somebody died to kind of add another meaning to, you know, to if it, it can mean something to our characters and it can mean something to our audience. And as Joss Whedon has shown many, many times in all of his shows. Yeah. And his I like movies. I like how Asami has become mm-hmm. uh, like a counterpoint to Korra in a way. Like she's not bending but she's super logical she's mm-hmm. cool she, she gets more logical as Cora gets more crazy uh <laughs> so, ripped a bar off the wall like she's not she's not just technology bending she's also she's rad well she i'm saying but that's like that's like a practical thing that's like thinking yeah. ahead that's like she knowing knew it was weak. she knew it was like poorly built yeah shiny workmanship yeah, and that's those are all like super detective Batmaning skills, which is where we wanted to end up. Uh, but like, right? The idea whereas Cora's that... solution was just yelling at them through her Hannibal Lecter mask. She's like, yeah. "I am right. Let I'll me just, go." Do you know who I am? I am the Avatar. <laughs> yeah, her solution is to yell the truth from her confinement in every season. Um, <laughs> but like, it's I kind of feel like by the end of book four, which I definitely think Asami's going to survive towards, uh, we're going to get to a point where Korra's going to surround herself at that point by better leaders than her as the Avatar. And, you know, I would love for that conversation. I want them to form a Justice League now. I've just talked uh-huh. myself into it. Oh, my God. That's, oh, yeah. That's, that'd be amazing. You're absolutely right that um, uh, uh, Korra should just walk the Earth and be like the Superman who roams everywhere. <laughs> and then Asami should go back to Republic City and be that Batman. Uh-huh. I'm just imagining the fan art now. And Bolin like, is king of uh, the Earth Kingdom. Yeah. And, and Mako marries the Fire Lord. Yeah. Oh, my God. Yeah, Bolin is Aquaman. <laughs> Bolin is Aquaman because he is ruling over Atlantis or whatever. Boston sure. Say. Oh, this but is yeah, so these, perfect. So then these are like, what we're watching right now is like world leaders, the teen years. Like, uh-huh. yes, this is Teen Titans. <laughs> Yeah, this is as if, like, well, this is as if, like, Obama and Putin and all of that oh, have been, boy. like, friends as teens. <laughs> well, it's Venture Brothers. The Venture Brothers sort of <laughs> sure. did that. Yeah. Or it's Clone they High. It's Clone together. High. Yeah, yeah. Clone High. What was the other anime? Hitalia World Powers? Isn't that where? That. Yeah, that's where all the countries are represented as teenagers, and it's <laughs> a retelling of World War II. I think it's on it Netflix. Is. You guys should oh, check that man. out. Are you serious? That sounds oh, amazing. Japan. I've never heard of that. Oh, man. They're, like, I think... 11 or 15 minute episodes and they are super hyper paced and there's several seasons yeah Italia world powers 
they tell World War II in a really weird way. That's really cool. Okay, we are so off course here. Um, are we, I feel like we got to the real meat of everybody. It, because you said this was like this is a gear. This felt like a wheel spinning episode. <laughs> I know I was wrong. Did we make you feel I, better about I it? Think I'm, I, I think I was wrong. I mean, there's a lot to chew on in this episode. But For I me, think you the, were wrong too. The scripting, the storytelling wasn't as as strong mm-hmm. and concise. Um, but no matter what you introduce into this world. We have plenty to talk about. That's that's for that's the truth. Um, so good job, Tim Hedrick, who wrote this episode, and Melchior Zwire, who directed it. We don't we don't actually credit these people very often. Uh, so we I want to give a yeah. shout out. Yeah. Um, to wrap up here, little things. Anything anything little from this episode that we should mention on the fly? As I want to go first. Yeah. Oh, well, please. Because I'm afraid that Dave is going to take mine, <laughs> which is. <laughs> Which is Pabu hopping on Lynn, and then Lynn just like, nope, like pulling <laughs> Pabu off and holding him out. That was great. That that scene is super random. That yeah. scene probably doesn't need to be in the episode, but I nope. guess we need to get Lynn to the Misty Palms Oasis. So oh, I think to- we're building a Lynn and the animals save the day moment uh, <laughs> just by how many times they've interacted. Oh my god! I, she she gave Naga her treats that Naga's been waiting like two weeks for for those treats <laughs> in that exact same spot. So Lynn's gonna Naga's, in on Naga. Naga's now bonded to Lynn in a way that Lynn How'd is they not. Survive in the middle of the desert. Uh, they were near the oasis. Ask ask not these questions. <laughs> Naga uh, has camel like properties, I guess. Oh yeah, maybe he stores water. Mm-hmm. Dave, do you have something little? She's called that- Naga. He. Oh, sorry, she. Uh-huh. I'm gender bending. Fans are going to get yeah. you now. <laughs> They're coming after me, <laughs> Dave. What, what was your What was your moment? Uh, uh, the, I don't forget the exact line, but around the lines of "Would you like to buy a slightly used sand sailor?" Oh uh, yeah. <laughs> just Asami being like, "Yeah, we were just inside a sand shark belly and almost died, but I'm awesome and could make anything slash make titan of industry buy my mm-hmm. buy my junk." Quip, 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 yeah, quip. Yeah, perfect. Devendra? Uh, I, I think it's the whole uh, sort of transport sequence with Bolin and Mako and the Red Lotus people, Sun Sahira. I know, is, was Sahira there? Um, he was but, driving. Oh, yes, he was driving. That whole conversation I just thought was really interesting. And I'd love to see more of that. And honestly, it would be really interesting if instead of the big final throwdown, uh, the sort of finale we get between Tenzin and Zahira or whoever is sort of like the end of Kill Bill where they eschewed the big fight and it's a conversation. It's a battle of the wits or a battle of philosophies. That would be interesting too, or at least before we get to the big bending battle. Yeah, that might leave a few people Mm -hmm. wanting more, but um, I would be interested. What are they going to do? Take us off television? (laughs) Exactly. They got nothing to lose. That uh, wait, that point we didn't really talk about that, but I do theorize now. I'm like, could you have aired this episode on television? Could you yeah. show the Earth Queen dying on like Nickelodeon? People keep making amazing comments. It's like, when's SpongeBob gonna pop up in the corner during this Earth Queen death? <laughs> <laughs> like, just totally ruin it. Uh, I wonder if that had anything to do with the whole right. decision to yeah. go to for sure. Right. Yeah. I mean, they. I think they talked, um, and this may have been mentioned at Comic Con that kind of going all digital was in the cards for them. Um, but they didn't. Maybe they planned it for book four or something. Mm-hmm. Um, they always saw this happening, and here's, I kind of believe it based on content. Here's my speculation: is that I don't think that it had anything to do with keeping it off TV, but I think that it might have something to do with they never talked about putting it back on Saturday morning. Hmm. Like after the first book, it was always like this is a Friday night show 
and we're not even going to try to schedule it anywhere else. That might have contributed based on the future content that uh, Breck communicated to Nickelodeon. But I don't think that they would say, like, you can't do that. It seems <laughs> it seems like it wouldn't have contributed to, like, oh, maybe we should put this series online because they're going to start killing people. It's like they killed people uh, already in, in book one. It's just, yeah, I think that the airing that on Saturday morning, like, uh, maybe went over a little choppy somewhere in Nick annals of scheduling horribleness they didn't like um metropolis revolution well they're like you you politics flooding yeah you could be this serious but we're not gonna put you you know next to i don't know that show that fred show with the guy with the pitch shifted talking yeah we're not gonna put you next to we're not gonna put you next to fred fred doesn't need to make everybody feel better after you kill main characters legend of Korra. that's awesome um just a few things here of my own observation port bosco they left from port bosco which is hilarious the airship um (laughs) i like the earth queen's use of the word magnanimous that's ballsy i feel Mm. like that's a a, she owes me a few dollars for the use of that word (laughs) um i also liked mako using his hand as a torch and that hurt his hand because he had to like shake it away after doing it for a while and i never thought about that would it have been more efficient for him to like just blast the bars with fire over and over again? Like that would have been messy. He wanted to control it. Okay. Yeah. I don't, I don't know much about. There were more cells across the way with people in it, right? Uh, I mean, yeah. There's but, all people all around him. But do we really care about those people? We do. Care. Those people are impressed. We don't know why. They could be innocents. I, I'm kidding. I was just like, I was, I was impressed. Have you by no his, heart? I was impressed by him doing it. I was like, that's cool. He's got a blowtorch hand. That's great. But then I was like, oh, but he's only made that much progress and it's got him nowhere. Like yeah, Owen, w- Owen Wilson and Jackie Chan open their bars with a wet shirt. So I don't know. I'm sorry. Did you just <laughs> reference um, Shanghai Noon? Shanghai that Noon? Great so opus good. of a film. Oh, yes. So good. How? This, so good. This yeah. episode just took a nosedive. Um, yeah. <laughs> And Sorry, both Shanghai Noon and Shanghai Nights are amazing. I think Shanghai Nights <laughs> is better than Shanghai Noon. Oh, for sure. Yeah. Why is that? The sequel is better. That's amazing. It's strange. Yeah. It's I don't know who, who made those movies. <laughs> this know. this and Bulletproof Monk are movies I just never think about, but I kind of enjoyed. Anywho, uh, well. Hmm. Yeah. You just have to ruin it, Patches. Sorry, sorry. Uh, Every time we get on a roll. <laughs> I, I, I kill it. I suck the air out of it with my uh. theorizing bending. Uh, I also like the line, how did you find us? And then Lynn says, I am a detective. <laughs> so great. I she well, this time she is. I don't know. She hasn't been a good detective for other seasons, right? She's been a detective. Just not a good no one's one. saying, no one's slapping her with a quality. <laughs> yeah. um, we'll be back next week with another episode. Why don't we tell people where they can find us on the internet and get the heck out of here. Uh, Devendra? Sure, you can find me on Twitter at twitter.com slash Devendra. I podcast about movies and TV at slashfilm.com and I write about tech at venturebeat.com. Dave? I'm Dave Gonzalez. I spell my first name DS7E. That's also my Twitter handle. I write about superhero movie news and Star Wars at latino-review.com. Joanna? My name is Joanna Robinson. You can find me almost every day on VanityFair.com. You can follow me on Twitter at Joe Wrote This. I'm currently podcasting about television on the station agents and about film on Fighting in the War Room. 
And I am Matt Patches. I write all over the internet, and I try and put everything on my Tumblr, mattpatches.com. And I'm recapping Korra this season for screencrush.com, so definitely check those out. And uh, I am also on Fighting in the War Room with Joanna currently, and maybe Dave again one day. Hopefully. I'm yearning for you, Dave. Um, And that's about it for this week. Until next time, farewell. Take my breath.